Hi, my black. Backstage on day three of Lollapalooza, I am here with Danny Deal and her dozens and dozens of spectacular, glamorous people that are all in her entourage and performance troupe. I mean, this woman comes with her own group. It's incredible. How are you? I'm fantastic. A little muddy, but... <laughs> I think everyone is, is. You know, this last day of Lala, it rained. It was pretty crappy, but all of us somehow avoided the rain. So I think that we kind of dodged a bullet with that. Oh, yeah, we totally did. I would have melted. I, you would have seen pink rivers going down my face. <laughs> Very imperative I stay out of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> you were performing, was it today? Or I know that you were here all weekend. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, we performed on Friday, PlayStation stage at 730. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty impressive slot. Like, you look at a lot of local talented plays, and they might get, like, Sunday at, like, noon or, like, 1 o'clock. But you had, like, a real performance slot. Yeah. Well, I've done Lollapalooza before, and um, I, I, I was you know pleasantly surprised when they told me the the time slot i felt like i graduated from kindergarten to college all of a sudden <laughs> that's a jump <laughs> the last time i played it was one of those opening slots they normally reserve the opening slots for local talent and it's nice to see the festival really starting to highlight the people that are from the city that support and i know that you have a history with Lollapalooza, not just performing but i know that you've done writing for herb i know that you've interviewed perry so really this is something that you've kind of been involved with on a couple of different levels and, and different fronts over the years, right? Yeah, I've interviewed Perry twice now for Herb Magazine, and I also run C3's annual Lala Remix competition. Um, so it's been two years now, and we'll probably do it again next year. The winner plays the festivals. So over the years, as I've gotten more involved, um, it's sort of become a second family, really. Now, how long have you been DJing? Ten years. Ten years. And that means something because now if you're a DJ, and I'm not trying to discount anyone else, but now if you're a DJ, it's a very accessible entryway into that field. And if you were doing it ten years ago, it really means that you put the time and the effort into the craft. Is that kind of how you see it? Oh, yeah. No, ten years ago, I sat in a room with a crappy Newmark table and was frustrated for about three months straight while I was trying to figure out how the hell to beat match. It was a very different game back then. You know, you're carrying around your crate, figuring out. I used to know exactly how many records I could put in my crate so it would be under 50 pounds so I wouldn't have to pay extra to put it on the plane. You know, I used to have... Uh, calluses on the inside of my hand from carrying the record crate everywhere and I don't know there were so many little physical things like that that I really appreciated about it I miss I miss taking out one record so I could put one in you know um, I miss the tactile aspects of playing vinyl you know blowing the dust off the needle the, all these little things that they give a character. Yeah, they give a character, exactly. Over the years, you know, in Chicago and really with Lala on the parody stage, a lot of Chicago talent, um, a lot of Chicago DJs have come in and performed, and a lot of those are DJs who use Serato. And when you see that, are you of the mind, like, well, these kids have it easy because they have Serato, or are you of the mind, I'm really glad there's more Chicago talent representing at the festival? Well, I think... Uh... I think it's a little a little of both. Serato, I, I don't really, I don't have any issue with Serato because at the end of the day, you're still physically mixing the records. You know, it's a, this is really difficult because <laughs> um, I was just always of the mindset that it, it was always really good to learn the technical uh, basic aspects of DJing because making sure that you have those technical aspects down means that it gives you the creative freedom to do what you want. If you, if you know 
how to keep things in key, if you know measures, um, if you know beat matching, rather than having a program do it all for you, then it allows you later on down the line to experiment more because you know the fundamentals, you know how all of the pieces fit together. Do you feel like that's missing, kind of like that experimentation and also that kind of knowledge of, of the basics and the foundation? I see it with some people. I see some people that are using the equipment as a crutch, but I also see some people starting out that are using it to have so much more freedom with what they do in sets. So, I mean, it really is in, in all how you use it. You know, I've seen people that do amazing things with Ableton that might not be able to mix CDs together, but what they do with Ableton, I couldn't do live, and it's amazing. And they utilize all the samples, they create new songs on the fly, and so, yeah, I don't have anything against the software. I guess it's all in, it's all in how you use it. The Perry stage this year, I mean, that thing is kind of like the blob. I mean, it continues to grow and grow and grow every year. <laughs> as, as the festival gets larger, so does Perry's stage. Yeah. And, and 10 years ago, there was underground electronic music culture, and there were things happening like raves and stuff. Do you feel like it's, like, more accepted now, more in the mainstream, more in the open? Absolutely it is. And it's finally catching up. I mean, in, in Europe, overseas, it's been big for however many years, you know? People like Eric Prids would get snapped by paparazzi, right? For like OK Magazine. And here, we just discovered who David Guetta is. You know? <laughs> it's a little bit of a lag. Um, but it makes me happy that that it's expanding. And the people that are fans of Dead Mouse are now also the fans of Foo Fighters, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there's this crossbreeding going on, and, and I love it. I feel like it's been attempted before. You look at, like, something like Moby's Area 1 tour. Right. But it just didn't really, like, I don't know if it just wasn't the right time, but it didn't really, like, it didn't connect culturally, it feels like. Yeah, and now that it's more accepting, we're, you know, I'm seeing a lot of DJs really expand their repertoire in terms of what they can offer live. Like, for... For my side, something that we did that was different, a lot of people have dancers, but they're more like go-go dancers, and so we wanted to incorporate some elements of maybe a pop performance, and so my choreographer, Jason Laws, uh, we have our fabulous dancers, and we actually were in rehearsals for a month beforehand and choreographed to several different songs during my set, so it gave this special live aspect that you don't normally see during a set and this guy was behind everything he had the vision and <laughs> stop being so modest <laughs> um yeah no it was really uh, really an honor to sort of support basically uh an artist i've had the pleasure of working with over three years uh we had our start working on her first music video with uh popping bottles which was awesome and uh to come back here and sort of support her vision again uh to bring it alive on stage was really great uh we were really blessed to have a lot of great talent around uh four amazing dancers uh jasmine keely leela and janissa uh they were amazing and then i think again at the end of the day it was about bringing Danny Dill's vision to life and uh, I think we did that I think uh, people should be excited to see more coming from her and uh, it's also always exciting to collaborate with an artist willing to take the next step to take it to the next level I think that's what she's done she's being a huge pioneer for her area as not just you know a performer but as a DJ and then you know bringing a full-on performance for all of her artists and all of her fans you've done the Lala remix contest for a few years now which gets you know one or two acts on the bill at Perry's, and I, yeah, I know you go through a ton of submissions, you see a ton of performances. What kind of advice do you have for maybe aspiring DJs, mid-level DJs, producers, anyone who's kind of looking to, to get to the level where they might be playing at 7.30 p.m. at Lala? You know, it's funny because the, um, 
both years now, there have been sort of upsets with the finals. The the person that people I'm, take it so personally and seriously. OMG, you would not even <laughs> believe. Um, both years now, the the person that some people thought should win did not win, and the judges. What the judges are really looking for is a point of view, and they're looking for something um, unique. They're looking for people to actually enjoy themselves during their set, as opposed to just sitting there and mixing and not interacting with the crowd. Um, I think a lot of DJs forget that without the crowd, you're nothing. You know, you have to be a performer at this point. You can't just sit behind the decks and just do your thing and not look at and do something with your audience. Um, so, I mean, don't feel like you have to play everything. Have a point of view. I think that's really important. Um, and then just work as hard as you possibly can. Take the criticism. Go back to the drawing board. That was one thing that we found with a lot of our artists is that they took criticism from last year. They revamped their stuff and they resubmitted this year and they actually got farther in the competition. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you're a veteran in the scene and you're obviously doing huge things, you know, with electronic music, with DJing and really making it a performance and making an impact both on the performance and kind of the behind the scenes business level. So I think that's awesome and congratulations really on a huge awesome time slot at Lollapalooza this year. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I just want to say thank you to all of my dancers who were amazing. Like they're being all modest and shy now. You should have seen them working their shit on stage. <laughs> I believe it. Like I said, you've got a whole entree. I mean, we were sitting here with like you and like six or seven people. Like usually when I do this, I'm interviewing like, you would think I was interviewing like Slipknot. Because there's like this many people in the room. I mean, I think that that's where you you have to you have to take it because you know with DJing there's so many options now. It's it's not just what song am I going to play next. It's you know how can I make this an interactive performance? What more can I do? I mean, we spent 48 hours last week filming and editing uh, an intro video for the set where these girls were all in makeup courtesy of Freddie and Io over here and. Uh, we made custom music for it. We wanted to make something to bring people over before the set even started, before they started their choreography. So we're just, um, yeah, trying to figure out how we can make it bigger and better each time. Well, I think if people wanted to get into DJ production, even just, you know, kind of the producing and event production side of things in Chicago, they would do well to watch what you're doing, learn from you, take some tips, you know, and really learn from what you've done to get to where you are. So really, like, nice job. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>